This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, it's Whitney. I wanted to take some time to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com. They're a national private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities. They do this with private accredited investor funds. They have a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and control over $250 million in equity from their investors. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easier for you to start investing in real estate without all the hassles. They even have an average 62% repeat investor rate in each offering they put together. They even have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to fix and flippers locally and across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. To help you learn more, they have put together a free passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download the PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Our guest is Chris Benson. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, Whitney. Pleasure's mine. We're honored to have you on the show, Chris. I've seen you doing lots of big things. And we talked over a year ago, and, and I know you'd be a great guest for the show. And But a little about Chris. He's a, the chief investment officer for Reliant Investments, a subsidiary of Reliant Real Estate Management, and one of the top 30 commercial self-storage operators in the U.S. in 2018. He is part of the investment committee and develops institutional quality self-storage investment opportunities for accredited investors. His investing goals have always been about changing the paradigm of trading time for money in order to have time for more of the things we love to do. Likewise, investing in real estate has been Chris's steadfast path to passive income, and he is passionate about inspiring others to change their mindset around investing for their future. So Chris, again, thank you for your time today and being on the show. I look forward to our conversation, but tell the listeners a little more about who you are and where you're located and your focus right now. Yeah, for sure. Where I'm located is the easy part. We're in Roswell, Georgia. So our office is just outside of Atlanta. And that's where I'm talking to you from today. We're about 25 miles north of the airport. So just as far as who I am. So my background, Whitney, is I came from a sales background, first in business to business sales, and then I got into medical device sales. And about 10 years ago or so, I distinctly remember waking up Whitney and saying, I don't think I can do this for another 20 years or maybe 30. I was making great money, but the lifestyle was rough. So that was sort of the beginning. Like many of your listeners, I'm sure I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and said, oh, passive income seems like an interesting way to make money. And so that was sort of the beginning of the journey for me. And we did some residential real estate starting, kind of followed the path that everybody does. Realized very quickly that was miserable. I wanted nothing to do. And then we got into commercial multifamily in a number of different facets. About three years ago, we started investing in storage. And you know, long story short, got to Reliant about 18 months ago. First, I was there as an investor. And then there was a, a partnership opportunity for us. So I'm running the equity arm of the business at Reliant. So really with managing investors and ensuring we have equity to close on our properties as we go out and expand our portfolio across the Southeast. 
Nice. So you got into residential. So you had that day though, and I've I had one of those same kind of days where it's like, okay, wait a minute, something has to change. I can't see doing this for twenty or thirty more years. And so that pushed me into another path, right? Like it did you. And so you started with residential. What was that? Single family, small multis? What were you doing at that time? Yeah, small multis. We ended up with a portfolio of just about 20 units. I think 22 is what we ended up with. I still have one duplex left, but we mostly had duplexes in the county where I lived. Nice. Okay. So then you got into commercial real estate, you started doing multifamily, then you've seen an opportunity to partner with Reliant. And I'd love to get into what that means to run the equity arm and what that looks like. I mean, it's a big responsibility for that group. Yeah. So what happened, Whitney, for me organically is real estate was always a side hustle. And I still had a day job where I was surrounded by you know, essentially surgeons and hospital executives and, and other guys and gals like me who have a little bit of disposable income. And they knew what I was doing. And I was investing my own money up first. And slowly but surely, people started asking like, Hey, next deal, I'd like to know about it. And so that grew organically. And as it did, it gave me the opportunity to bring a little bit of leverage to negotiations where I could go to an operator either on the multifamily side or storage. And ultimately, that's what happened with both and say, Hey, I can bring a little bit of equity to the table. Can I have some back end ownership? if I do that. And so I wanted my own money to be deployed. And then people were trusting me with bringing them opportunities as well. So I got really good at underwriting and understanding, you know, another operator's underwriting so that essentially I could make sure I was making good decisions for my own family and then other people who were trusting me to do the same. So yeah, I mean, on the self-storage side of things, it appeals to my skill set, right? So I'm a salesperson by heart. I just happen to understand real estate at this point. And so how I got connected with Reliant first was I wanted exposure to the asset class, to self-storage. And literally, Whitney, I just started calling the list of self-storage operators. There's a top 100 list that comes out every year. And I just started calling them until I found a few that would meet with me, basically saying, Hey, I have some equity. I'd like to come meet you, see what your platform is. And if I'm able to deploy some capital, can I earn some back-end ownership? So that's what we did. Uh, That worked out really well. I fell in love with Reliant and the guys who founded it. And Whitney, probably like many of your listeners, especially if you're looking at syndication, I'm a big believer that it's about the people, right? And you're investing in the platform, the real estate, certainly. But for me, it's always guided me well to invest in the people first. And usually everything else takes care of itself. I think that's a good tip that everybody can take with them because you know when things are going well, everybody's friends. It's it's when things hit the fan. And if you're in real estate long enough, it's an inevitability. That's when you find out who you've really partnered with. Great advice. Great advice right there. No doubt about it. It's a relationship business. And when everything's good, it's easy for everybody to be friends, right? I'd like for you to back up though a little bit and before the transition, actually, but you know, you're meeting all these people, then they're coming and asking you questions. Elaborate on how they knew what you were up to, what you were doing. I talked about it a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, I think Whitney, so two things is one for the people who are trying to do that. I had a track record in that I had invested my own money. And I think that's a key thing, Whitney, right? Like syndication is now a very, very hot topic. Everybody wants to be a syndicator and there's a low barrier entry. It's not a bad thing to say, right? So essentially anybody can syndicate a deal. And you know, the, the caution I would put out there is understand what people are trusting you with. It's their time, right? They've earned this money to be able to invest with you because of the time that they spent to do it. And so I took that responsibility pretty seriously. And I would say that the advice I could give is one, talk about it with everybody, what you're doing. And usually that will generate some organic conversations. Two, keep an email list. So when you ask that question or they say, hey, I'm interested, 
make sure you keep a list of who those people are so that you can bring an opportunity to them when you have it. The third thing, and this is what I would say a lot of people ask like, hey, how do I get started? If it were me anyways, the first thing I would ask is, have you invested your own money? Have you done this before? And I think that's a critical component to this is as syndicators, you have a great responsibility and it's easy to make money in this space on a fee structure. But what you need to make sure of is you're being a good steward of your investors' money. So my thing was, I felt comfortable talking to people about it because I had done it with my own money first and was still investing my own money in all the deals that I brought as a quote-unquote syndicator. And that's still the case here at Reliant. So even though I'm an employee now, I'm investing my own money in all the deals because I feel just as good about the underwriting as I'm hoping that they will. Our guest is John Maness. Thanks for being on the show, John. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Happy. Yeah, I'm honored to have you on the show. Just from reading your the short bio I have, you're going to be a great guest. John is the owner of $100 million worth of self-storage, 14-year veteran of the self-storage industry. He's a frequent speaker and author of local, state, and national self-storage industry topics. And John, thank you again for your time. Tell us a little more about maybe how you got into this industry. Did you start with self-storage? Or maybe you can go a little further back than that and how you got into this thing we call you know real estate. So I actually started my career in retail, and I always say like the Walmarts and Kmarts of the world, even though I never worked for either of them. And I spent 17 years in that environment and just got burnt out on it. And I worked my way up to district and regional manager in that environment and wanted something different. So I started to apply to multi-store leadership in a space like warehousing, multifamily, and I applied to this job as a district manager of self-storage with this little tiny self-storage company called Uncle Bob Self-Storage, which is now Life Storage. They're the fourth largest self-storage company in the United States and ended up getting the district manager position with them for San Antonio and Austin, Texas. Did so well over a three-year time frame, they promoted me to regional vice president of the company. And as a reward, they moved me to Buffalo, New York. So, <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. So I spent like six and a half years with them and then networked back into Texas as the COO of the Jenkins organization, which owned and operated 55 self-storage properties, ran that company for five years or so. And then about three and a half years ago, went out on my own and started buying my own stuff. And here we are 20 properties later. About $110 million worth of self-storage. We've raised over $35 million worth of private equity and still growing. So that's been my journey. Retail to storage to a publicly traded to a private entrepreneurial environment to doing it ourselves. So did I get that right? $35 million raised, 20 properties, and that's in three and a half years? That's correct. That's impressive. So, you know, in the next few minutes, I want you to tell us how we can do the same thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready to. So I don't know if they can see me or not, but I had a really pretty head of hair when I started, <laughs> and I don't now. So be ready to lose all your hair. That's all I can say. All right. So I go back three and a half years ago. You know, your focus obviously you were focused on self storage, your burnout of retail, but you had some great experience. You'd worked for some larger companies and you played a big role there and then went out on your own. Tell me a few key things that that you learned from the other jobs or you know, or even the other asset classes that you were in that were instrumental to being able to move that fast when you started your own business. 
I think the biggest thing was through the years, I learned how to build teams and how to market not only a company or an asset, but myself as well. When I started to go out on my own, I thought I could raise probably a million dollars, maybe. But in the end, I raised a million dollars in about 45 days. And I was like, okay, wow. The way I did that really was being out in the storage community speaking for the prior six years. So a lot of those people that invested with me were friends and family, as well as different vendors in the storage industry. So I was able to line up people ahead of time that said, man, if you ever buy property, I'd invest with you. So when it came time to go raise the money, I literally had a list in a notebook of all the people throughout the years that had told me that. And I called them. And they invested. And I was like blown away. I was like, oh my God, they actually invested. So, and that, and that started it. And then we started to build a machine internally through different marketing avenues. And, you know, I do a lot of speaking like this on the local, state, and national level. So, you know, now we've gotten really sophisticated. We use CRM and all that kind of stuff where before I was on the phone making telephone calls. And saying, hey, I think you told me you might want to invest. So now we, when I do a lot of one-on-one why storage is a good investment and probably talk to about a thousand people in three years. So they go into our database and when it comes time to raise money, we do an email blast and we're raising about a million bucks a month right now. I'd love to hear your response to about like, you know, why self-storage is the way to go. You know, I know you're giving that to many talks and, and, but I would love to hear that. And maybe we talk about a recent deal as well. First thing I'll tell you is self-storage has a 2% foreclosure rate. So I'll ask you this. What do you think people do with their stuff when they lose their house? They don't get rid of all of it. That's correct. They put it in storage. (laughs) What happens when they lose their business? They put it in storage. So same thing happens when the economy expands. So when the economy contracts, people use storage. When the economy expands, people use storage. So in the 14 years that I've been in storage, they've had one down year. That was 2008 to 2009. And if you look at it from how many self-storage properties there are in the United States, which is around 57,000 self-storage properties, only about 2% of those go foreclosure in a given time. I've only known three of them go foreclosure out of the two or 3,000 I've been associated with in 15 years. So if you look at it from that standpoint, it's one of the safest investments because of what the human behavior behind it is. And that is people want to keep grandma's dresser. People want to keep, you know, mom's pictures and all that kind of stuff. So what they do is they put it in storage and that helps our business. Outside of that, if you're an investor, it has an awesome cash flow to it. And in this environment, you can be very creative in how you structure deals so that you can either get small money up front, little bits of money along the way, or big money as you add value in the end. And because of those 55,000 self-storage properties, there's only 12% of them that are publicly traded. There's another 17% that are traded by big money. So only about 30% of them are organized. The other 70% are owned by one-off people. So when you look at it from that standpoint, 
it's still boots on the ground where you can go as a common person, you can go buy a self-storage and still make money at it. Then if you know what you're doing or you partner with somebody who knows what they're doing, you can make a lot of money. That's helpful. That's a plus. <laughs> So, you know, can we talk about the, like, say, a recent deal or most, you know, current deal or maybe one you all have worked on or, or just closed recently? And I'd love to hear some details about it, how you found it, and then, you know, maybe how, we, how you structured that deal. So, as I mentioned, I do a lot of speaking, uh, local, state, national type of stuff. So, we find a lot of deals by relationships, period, is we're out there in the forefront building those relationships. So, we get first looks or off-market deals a couple times a week, literally. We've probably underwritten 250 deals in the last 12 months. And of those 250, 100 of them are probably off-market or first looks through the relationships that we have. So even though it might go on the market, we get a two or three week head start on it. So how we find them is very creative. We call ourselves grinders. We're always out there grinding. We're always doing things like this podcast in order to get our name out there so that when somebody's listening to this in Savannah, Georgia, and they're like, all right, well, who do I call to sell my property? They can call me (laughs) and I'll underwrite it. And one of the things we do is we give a fair price. So that's how we find them. Current deal, we have probably 10 deals in the pipeline right now that we just made a few offers couple weeks ago and we're getting ready to make a couple more offers we recently just raised 15 million dollars of private equity that is not part of the 35 that we've already raised so once we place that we'll be able to probably double in size in the next six months or so those deals consist of one conversion project here in texas that a guy that's already in storage he owns four self-storage properties hasn't been able to create that machine of raising money, approached us and said, hey, you want to partner on this deal? We'll be able to split it all up accordingly based on who who does what. I say there's four parts to a deal. The person that finds it, whoever raises the money, whoever signs on debt, and then whoever runs the property when it's all said and done. That's the four pieces of it. And the only one we won't wiggle on is the who runs the property because we're pretty good at that. So outside of that, we do sign on debt, we do raise money, and we do find deals. But if somebody finds a deal and doesn't know how to get it done, we know how to get it done. So they come to us and say, can you help me raise money? Or and we'll give you X piece of it. Or can you sign on debt? We'll give you X piece of it. And I always say, well, sure, as long as I get to manage it. <laughs> so, And that's, that's how we've been able to grow so fast is we're creative We are grinders. We build relationships all the time. We kiss a ton of babies. But in the end, I mean, we've either partnered, we partnered on five properties out west in Washington and Oregon that we didn't find the deal. We didn't raise the money and we didn't sign on debt, but we're operating them. And they gave us part ownership of those properties. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 